Welcome back to the Community Christian Church Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchine for week two in our series, Know Thyself. Community is one church in four expressions meeting online, in person, and in small groups around the globe. Learn more and plan your visit at communitychristian.org. If I were to come to your house, my guess is most of you would be able to show me an item in your home that you no longer need, but year after year, you hold on to it. What is that item for me? It's this shirt. What is this? Well, it's my high school basketball warm-up jersey. I probably haven't worn this in three decades, yet year after year, living in three states and moving to nine different locations, I have held on to this. And why? Sentimental reasons, I guess. It's weird how possessions can get a hold of us. I don't think I'll go to the extremes that Sandra West went to, however. What was her prized possession? A baby blue 1964 Ferrari. And boy, did she hold on to it. She was so attached to this possession that she was buried with it when she died. Her cemetery plot has now become a tourist attraction. I guess maybe you can take it with you. I get that we have a sentimental attachment to things, but most of us have a relationship with possessions that goes far beyond sentiment. In fact, what we have can determine how we view ourselves. Do you ever find yourself feeling better about yourself because you're wearing a new outfit or driving a new car or have Bears tickets on the 50-yard line? Seriously, though, if anyone has Bears tickets on the 50-yard line, can we talk later? On the flip side, do you ever feel bad about yourself because, um, because of something you don't have? For instance, ever find yourself thinking, all of my friends have the iPhone 28, but I'm stuck with this iPhone 10. Or, our family should have our own house or a better house by now. Or, I should be making way more money at this stage in my career. You see, these thoughts are so powerful because they prey on something we all struggle with in one way or another. And that something is dissatisfaction. We feel dissatisfied with who we are, with what we have, with the hand we've been dealt. And material things can present themselves as a quick fix for our dissatisfaction. They promise a rush to numb our underlying disappointment. They trick us into thinking they will be fulfilling. We reason, if I could just get this fill-in-the-blank, I would be happy. But possessions can never truly satisfy us. Harvard psychologist Sean Acor warns us that each time our brain experiences a success, each time we get that thing we want, it only moves the goalpost of what satisfaction looks like. If you get the iPhone 28, then you'll want the iPhone 29. If you get the house, then you'll want a bigger house. If you get the raise, then you'll want a bigger raise. And there are underlying even deeper realities about our obsession with possessions. In an article for Scientific American, journalist Francine Russo summarizes research about our attachment to our belongings with these words. She writes, We actually see these objects as an extension of ourselves. We believe, or perhaps act as if we believe, that in some ways our very essence permeates our things. 
If these things become damaged or lost, we ourselves become damaged or lost. It's all part of the possession lie, I am what I have. It's a lie many of us fall for over and over again. Today we are in week two of a three-week series called Know Thyself. And it's a series about our identity, or rather it's a series about confronting lies that keep us from recognizing our true identity. Understand, when you find your way back to God and enter into a relationship with Him, God declares that you are His beloved child. That is your true identity. That is your true status. He says to you and me, you are my child. I love you. I am pleased with you. This identity is something received, not achieved. It's something you are given, not something you buy. Yet so often we struggle to hear or believe the voice of God. The great church father, Augustine, wrote in his confessions, how can you draw close to God when you are far away from your own self? And then he challenged us to pray this prayer. Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I might know thee. And so, during this series, we are seeking to know ourselves by confronting the lies we tend to believe about our identity— Lies like, I am what I have. Now, of course, possessions in themselves are not bad. I don't believe that God is a stingy God. He has given us so many blessings to enjoy, including material things. The problem is when we look to these things to define us, when we look to our possessions to determine how we feel about ourselves. Author Richard Foster describes our modern condition this way. He says, because we lack a divine center, Our need for security has led us into an insane attachment to things. We really must understand that the lust for affluence in contemporary society is psychotic. It is psychotic because it has completely lost touch with reality. It's crazy, isn't it, how attached we become to inanimate objects? Listen to how Foster continues. He says, We crave things we neither need nor enjoy. We buy things we do not want to impress people we do not like. We are made to feel ashamed to wear clothes or drive cars until they are worn out. The mass media have convinced us that to be out of step with fashion is to be out of step with reality. It is time we awaken to the fact that conformity to a sick society is to be sick. Conformity to a sick society is to be sick. It's time to expose the possession lie. Throughout this series, we're looking at a story from Luke chapter 4 about Jesus and temptation. If you missed last week, let me catch you up to speed. Jesus is just starting his public ministry. Up until this this point in his 30-year-old life, he's lived in relative obscurity. No one knows who he is. He hasn't accomplished anything worth noting. Well, Jesus' public ministry begins when he's baptized by John in the Jordan River. And as he comes up from the water, the voice of God the Father declares, You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You see, that is Jesus' true identity. While on the heels of his baptism, the Spirit of God leads him into the desert where Jesus fasts for 40 days. 
And it's in the solitude of this desert place that the devil comes to tempt Jesus with three lies. And the second lie, the possession lie, is found in the second temptation. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Now, put yourself in Jesus' shoes for just a minute. Sometimes we see Jesus as some kind of superhero who's invincible. But when Jesus walked on earth among us, he felt the way we feel things. He wrestled with things the way we wrestle with them. Hebrews 4.15 says, Jesus is one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. In the second temptation, the devil leads Jesus to a high place where he can see all the magnificence and riches and power of the earth. The devil basically says to him, look around you at what everyone else has. You, you don't have anything. How can you think you are somebody? You are nobody, but, but you can be someone. All of this can be yours. Satan is offering him a quick fix to significance. He's saying, if all of this was yours, you'd really be someone. If I were standing in Jesus' shoes, this possession lie would be tempting. All the kingdoms of the world could be mine. After all, Jesus came in to usher a new kingdom into our world, and, and here was a quick fix that didn't involve suffering or a cross. So what does Jesus have to do to take this shortcut? Bow down in worship. Here's something we need to understand about the possession lie. It always involves worship. Let me explain. A few chapters later in Luke 12, Jesus issues a warning that strikes at the heart of the possession lie. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Greed is an ugly word, isn't it? I've never met a person that sees greed as a desirable trait. My guess is none of us see ourselves as greedy people. But Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard, because greed is sneaky. If you're not vigilant against it, it can easily grab hold of your heart. You see, greed is simply wanting more and more. That's it. It's an insatiable desire for more. And let's get honest with ourselves for a minute. Don't you want more? I mean, I do. Can I admit that? I want more. I want new clothes. I want a bigger TV. I want new patio furniture. I want new countertops in my kitchen. And here's the thing. I know if I go out and I acquire those things, it's going to feel good. I'm going to get this rush that comes from new shiny possessions and I'm going to feel happy and fulfilled, at least for a moment. But sooner than later, I'll find myself right back where I started. I'll be in my old new clothes watching the same old shows on my new TV. The birds will still leave droppings on my new patio furniture and my new countertops won't suddenly transform me into a good cook. See, Jesus warns us, be on your guard against wanting more 
and more because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Understand, Jesus isn't condemning wealth or possessions. There's nothing wrong with a new TV or a new outfit. The problem comes in when we look to these things to bring us life. When we fool ourselves into thinking that they are the answer, when we chase after them, when we worship wealth and possessions. Wait a minute, you might say, I don't worship things. But the truth is, most of us do. Most of us bow down before things that are not worthy of honor and can't deliver life's true meaning. We spend money we don't have to acquire things we don't need in order to impress people we don't even like. We look to possessions to fulfill some emptiness inside of us because somewhere along the way, we subconsciously bought into the lie that I am what I have. And we hope that if we just get enough, we might feel like we are enough. So we make the next new thing our idol, and we bow down to it. We chase after it. We become consumed thinking about it. We'll do just about anything to get it. The possession lie always involves worship. Satan takes Jesus to a high place overlooking all the riches of the world and says, look around you at what everyone else has. You don't have anything. How can you think you are somebody? You're nobody, but you can be someone. All of this can be yours. All you have to do is bow down and worship. But Jesus doesn't buy into the possession lie. Instead, Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus says, no, no, no. Only my father gets first place in my life. I'm not buying what you're selling, Satan. I don't need all that stuff to define me. And do you know why Jesus was able to reject the lie and resist the temptation? Because he already knew who he was. He didn't need all the riches of this world to feel secure. He didn't need a quick fix to feel good about himself. He knew he was the son who the father loved and with whom the father was well-pleased. His identity was grounded in that, and that was enough. That's where our identity needs to be grounded too. In fact, I want to pause for a second. And I want to invite you to do something with me. If you would, just open your hands like this in a, in a posture of receiving. And if I could ask you to just close your eyes and just try in the deepest part of your understanding to receive these truths. Here is the truth. You don't have to prove anything to anyone including yourself. You are not what you have. You are loved and valuable just because you exist. In this moment, hear God say to you, you are my child. I love you. I am pleased with you. Take a deep breath and open your eyes. Doesn't it feel good to remind yourself of who you are? You are God's beloved child. And that truth means you can stop chasing after possessions. We all can stop looking to stuff to fulfill us. 
We can stop worshiping things. One of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, talks about confronting the possession lie this way. He says, at the heart of our resistance to temptation is love and loyalty to the God who has already called us his beloved children in Christ and who holds out before us the calling to follow him in the path which leads to true glory. In that glory lies the true happiness, the true fulfillment, which neither world nor flesh nor devil can begin to imitate. We worship the Lord our God and serve him only as his dearly beloved children. In fact, nothing is more effective in breaking the possession lie than worship. More specifically, when we worship God through our generosity. You see, the most effective way to to break the hold of greed in your life is to give things of value away. Instead of more, 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 it's give, give, give. Instead of measuring ourselves by what we have, it's giving away what we have in order to let our identity as God's beloved son or God's beloved daughter become the truth that defines us. Generosity is an expression of freedom because it breaks the bondage of the possession lie. It rejects bowing down to things and instead reflects our trust in God. Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you know why? Because life, true life, doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. Life is found in living as God's beloved, in living out our true identity. We know this, but how do we, how do we live into it? Well, if you want to break the power of the possession lie in your life, I want to challenge you to two things. The first challenge, challenge number one, go without. Make an intentional choice to go without something you really, really want in order to resist the quick fix temptation. Here's the thing. If you're like me, 30 minutes from now, you could be obsessed with wanting something that you aren't even aware exists right now. I'm amazed how many times I'm just surfing around online and all of a sudden I'll see something on Amazon that is like the greatest thing ever. 30 minutes ago, I didn't know it existed, but now it's all I can think about in one click and it can be mine. Anyone else like that? You see, that's the possession lie whispering, you need this. You'll feel better when you get it. Isn't this exciting? To reject the possession lie, What if we made the decision to purposefully do without? I've known people who have chosen to go on a shopping fast for one or three months, even up to a whole year for this purpose. It's a way they sought to free their hearts to honor and worship God with their resources. We can break the power of the possession lie when we resist the temptation of the quick fix by intentionally going without. And the second challenge, challenge number two, give away. Nothing is more effective in breaking the power of the possession line than worshiping God through generosity. And as a community, we have a perfect opportunity coming up in two weeks to do just that through celebration generosity. If you've been a part of community, you know that this is one of our our favorite days of the year. It's a day when we choose to give our entire offering away to organizations that make an impact outside the walls of our church, locally, regionally, and globally. 
One of the things I, I love about Celebration Generosity is that for many people, it becomes the first time they take the step to begin giving back to God. If you've never taken that step, I want to challenge you to do that on October 9th. And for others of us, Celebration Generosity provides an opportunity for us to give a significant gift, maybe even our biggest gift of the year. Between now and October 9th, ask God to, to put on your heart the amount He wants you to give. Remember, generosity is an expression of freedom because it, it breaks the bondage of the possession lie. So make a statement to God and to yourself about who you are going to worship and then worship Him by giving generously to celebration generosity. Here's the bottom line. You and I, we are not what we have. We are beloved children of God, and our family, our Father, is not known for greed, but for generosity. Generosity is our family trait. There's a powerful lie at work in our culture, a lie that measures status by possessions and whispers to us, you are what you have. Let's stop buying into it. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life is found in being the beloved children of God. We already possess that. May we come to truly understand that it is enough. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.